welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. It's really been an unusual week for me. I grew up in the Deep South in Alabama. Then I lived 12 years in Georgia, and I spent about three or four years in New Orleans in Louisiana. I have, and I used to be on these summer revival teams. We would travel around the state. I've been to a lot of different revivals. I've been to a lot of different church services. Um, even growing up, my best friend was a Methodist. I would go to his services along with he would come to mine. I would go to their VBS. So I have, I have in the religious business, I have seen a lot of variety. The reason I, what, reason I say this has been an unusual week I have really been uh, watching what's going on down in Wilmore because I'm going to be truthful. I've never seen this before. I've read the stories, studied in school about the revivals of the past. You know, I've even been in worship services that are full. I've been to Billy Graham Crusade. And yes, you know, there might be a line to get in to find a good seat. But folks... Let's, let's put this in perspective of what's going on. After the uh, second service today, Sherry and the kids, she wanted to take them down to Wilmore. She goes down there. I've got some pictures. This is this afternoon. This is like 1.30. That's 1.30 in the afternoon. She said the line to get into that Hughes Auditorium, it was down past the gas station, which is like two or three blocks down from the school, then it hit the highway, and it just went, it was over a mile long. The, the uh, uh, state troopers are there. They brought in these big signs that say revival traffic, directing people where to go. The, I guess the, uh, the, the Department of Transportation had to do this. And you wonder, what are these folks looking for? What are they looking for in Wilmore? And you look at that crowd. She said, Daniel, they set up five overflow rooms. The thing, place opened at one today. Filled right away, right off the bat. I mean, overflowing. There is virtually no way for you to get in a Hughes Auditorium. They only allow now 16 to 25-year-olds, and the parents can't go. They used to allow families to go in. That's how our youth group got in on Wednesday night. They can't even do that anymore. You have to be 16 and 20, 25 by yourself. And then there's still a line for them. I was talking to some of our college students after the second service today. They told me, I think it was here, last night they finally got in, in that this was the young adult line, the only one that was moving, at 11.30 at night. They finally got to go into the building, some of the college students. And I, I'm watching this because you're wondering, I have not, I have not seen... I grew up going to the Passion Conferences, going to the Christian concerts where they have the flashing lights, the big screens, fire coming up from the stage, and it's a, a, a show. It really is a giant show. Folks, that is not a show. That honestly is the most boring auditorium. It's an auditorium. It doesn't have screens. It has an old-timey kneeling altar at the front. And in fact, I have another picture of the inside. You walk in, it has a, a quote from Zechariah chapter 14, verse 20, that holiness unto the Lord. That's KJV. We're going to turn to that verse. That's straight out of the Bible, actually. 
That's Zechariah 14, verse 20. That is what it looks like. Pipe organ. I mean, even the band. I've went three times. The band hides behind piano. If this was Asbury, the band would be like hiding over here. That's how it is. So it's everything we have been told. Band should be out front, smiling, leading direct. Not at this revival. The band's hiding. It's like when King Saul was, uh, uh, was supposed to be his, presented to the Israelites as new king. He went and hid behind the luggage. Do you all remember that? Here's your new king. Where is he? Oh, he's hiding behind the luggage. Well, that's what's our band. It's really interesting and unique. The people have flocked to Wilmore. It is uh, closing the roads. Um, the Salvation Army is there feeding people because there's no food. There's, no food. there's nothing. There's a subway in Wilmore. That says subway doesn't have enough food for 20,000. Jesus shows up with five loaves and, and two fish. I mean, you just aren't going to get any food there. So Salvation Army. So this is a really unique opportunity. I have pastor friends from Alabama who've been coming up here just seeing what this is all they're taking overnight trips to see what this is all about it's really odd and they they get up here and go well there's nothing really special about this there's there's nothing to it it's a worship service i went back on asbury's website and i watched that original uh chapel service from february 8th folks there's nothing spectacular about that chapel service not at all all it is, it was a, a guy talking about, in many ways, very similar to what I preached on this morning, about living out your faith in, a, in action, like a professor. And then they had three people singing. This was all it was. This is all the service was. Three people singing a song and a piano. That's it. A preacher, piano man, three singers. And then it was over. The guy said a closing prayer, and the piano started playing again, and they were playing a closing song. Half the, the students were already leaving. Like, they were all walking out the door. You can see them there at the end of that. So it's just, they're just having a closing song. And that service is still going on. So you look at this and go, what, what's going on there in Wilmore? And that's why, that's why I believe God is doing something. Because there is no reason. Everything we have been told, lights, cool videos, uh, being trendy, none of that is down there. It is the exact opposite. And they're telling people to go away. The college students were telling me, after two hours, they come in there and say, guys, we need people to leave because there's a line a mile and a half long for other people to come in. If you've been in this auditorium for two hours, it's time for you to go. Have you ever been in a church service where they're telling you to leave because you need to give up your seat to someone else? I mean, this is really a unique thing. And that's why I think for us as believers, we need to be aware of what God is doing, what He's trying to do. And we need to be open to, you know, the Holy Spirit is stirring in the lives of young people and drawing people to Himself. And what we're about to see here in Scripture, I'm actually, tonight's message actually came, if you're reading along with us, and you're reading through the Bible, today I believe is day 50, if you're reading along, this passage in Leviticus chapter 10 is where we're at. And also, I, brought, I want to bring in, because I've been, three times I went down there this week, I kept seeing holiness unto the Lord, I thought, well, I'm going to bring in, that ties in actually what we're going to see here about Leviticus chapter 10, about what does that mean, holiness unto the Lord? What does it mean that the Lord is holy? 
Because God is holy. We have a holy God. And, uh, and, and that, uh, the um, uh, Asbury University is not a Methodist school. It's what they are part of the Wesleyan holiness movement. It's very similar to United Methodist, but that's not Methodist. And, and I think a lot of ways, the, the call to holiness, this call to purity, this call to, Lord, I just want you. There is such an appeal to that holy call to the Lord. And we're going to see it here in Leviticus chapter 10. And we're, we, we see it in this revival that's occurring right down the road. And what's unique for us, these people, we've got these folks coming from all over the United States and maybe even the world, but we are literally 10 miles up the road from this revival. And we will hear all about it. And as I shared in this morning's service, this should provide you with gospel conversations. As you go to work, this is on national news. The New York Times, I saw in the paper, they are down there today interviewing people, so they're about to do a big story. So now you're seeing totally mainstream newspapers write articles about this revival. And at that point, then all sorts of people who don't follow religious things are going to be reading about what's going on in Wilmore. And we as Christians want to make sure we're prepared to talk about what it is. And I think, what is a revival? A revival is when we recognize that God is holy, we are lost, and we are returning to Him. And that's what we're going to see here in our Bible. First, before we turn to the Leviticus passage, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Zechariah. Keep, keep our, um, that's what it looks like in the chapel there, that the revival is going on. You can see the band's already hiding behind. That's Wednesday night with our youth group. Sherry Osmond took that picture Wednesday night. As always, they're hiding behind the piano. So that's what it seems to be like. But this is a, um, this is a scripture here. And I tell you, if you have your bulletin, you can read it. Actually, I want to pull it out in the KJV version. Because in this New, e- New Age translation that I use, you don't see it, but you do see it in the KJV. Uh, it says, Zechariah 14.20. I'm reading it straight from my bulletin here that you have. In that day, there shall be the bells on the horses, holiness unto the Lord. Meaning, their horses that they have, that phrase, holy, holiness unto the Lord. That is the King James Version of saying, the horses have been set apart for the Lord. The pots in the house of the Lord will be like the sprinkling basins before the Lord's altar. So even the pots, they're setting apart the pots, they're setting apart the horses, there is a holiness factor that is involved. Verse 21, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judea will be holy to the Lord of armies. All who sacrifice will come and use the pots to cook in. And on that day, there will no longer be a Canaanite in the house of the Lord of armies. Now, we read this and go, that's how the book of Zechariah ends? That's it. That's the, that 14th chapter. It's kind of an odd ending. You end this entire minor prophet talking about pots and pans, and they're holy for the Lord. You say, what are they talking about here? Why do horses need to wear bells that say holiness unto the Lord? Why do the pots on the stage need to cry out to God's holiness. What they're saying is when you come into the presence of God, when you step in the, before the Lord of armies, as Zechariah chapter 14 talks about, 
if something is given to the Lord, if something is set apart for the Lord, it is holy. That is what the word holy means. So you come in to a sanctuary such as Broadway, and all of these things are here are used for the worship of the Lord. The piano, the microphone, the, the, the uh, handbells, the drums, these are set apart for us to worship God. And you need to label them holy unto the Lord. It's like they're branded. This horse has a bell on it saying it is holy because this is for the Lord's worship. This is not secular. And there's a difference we're about to be seeing here. And this is where Leviticus pulls in. Leviticus is one of these books of the Bible we're about to turn. In fact, go ahead and turn to Leviticus chapter 10 in your Bibles. It's going to be our main text for this evening. Main text here, because what happens, Leviticus, is one of these books of the Bible that you start reading, and you go, what on earth is all this stuff going on? Leviticus is actually reminding us, the whole book, that the Lord is holy, and we aren't. In one sentence, that's what the book of Leviticus is about. Holiness puts everything in perspective. It's a view, uh, such a high view of God. And here's what's so dangerous about this revival. We have to make sure we're not like the Pharisees. Remember what the Pharisees did during uh, Jesus and John the Baptist's time? They would go down to see John the Baptist and what he was up to at the Jordan River. And they were down there with their clipboard evaluating to see, hmm, is this real? Is this what John the Baptist preaching true? Is this baptism real baptism? And they walk around and they were just evaluators, just checking boxes, saying, mm, I'm going to let folks know this is phony, this is fake, this guy's a fraud. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And I want to tell you, a lot of Christians, if they aren't careful, because I want to tell you, we're going to be talking about this revival down here probably for decades. You, just, you don't see people lined up for miles to go to church. <laughs> you don't see that. Nowhere. Even at Billy Graham Crusades, you didn't see that. Promise Keeper Crusades, you didn't see it. Free events, you don't see it. You might see a lot of people, and I've been in standing room only, and people, but there's no one-mile line down to Jesmond County line to get into Broadway, a, a mile and a half down Harrisburg Road. That is not going on. You don't see state troopers everywhere, and us coming up on the stage, and David Dale saying, please leave, go home, there's no room. Please, there's the door right there. That's not occurring. And then you don't see people begging, saying, no, don't end, don't close the doors. The poor Asbury, they originally were going to close the doors at 1 o'clock. They can't even close them. They're going to have to close them at 2 a.m. in the afternoon. They just literally cannot get the people out of the building. I mean, this is a unique, a unique circumstance going on. And I think we see about that, what's going on is, what is God doing? And we have to make sure we're not the ones sitting there as the Pharisees were, going around going, mm, fake, 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 fake. Don't, do, don't be that person. God very likely, and it's hard for us, many times for us as Southern Baptists, I believe Southern Baptist doctrine is about as close as you, Southern Baptists don't have everything perfect, but doctrinally we've got, at least in my knowledge, as close as you can get to the Bible as possible. Close as you can get. And it's maybe hard for some Baptists to say, why did God pick a non-SBC school to break revival at? Why would he do that? Not, he, not an SBC seminary. That's the type of Pharisee thinking 
that can get inside your mind and it's wrong. And we're going to see here in our Bible that book of Leviticus is going to teach us about two men who were the sons of Aaron and they did not have a holy reverence for the Lord. So turn in your Bibles now. Leviticus chapter 10. This is what you're reading along if you're reading in the Scriptures. I want to give you background information. What's going on before we read this? We're going to read seven verses. In the book of Leviticus, they are building what they call the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the portable place of worship. The tabernacle is started with tabernacle, then you get temple, and then you get church. We're worshiping in the third part right now, the church. That is the body of Christ. What's going on at Revival is the body of Christ. What's going on at other churches here in our city Sunday night is the body of Christ, the church worshiping together. We're not confined to a building. Our building is Jesus. That's whom we worship. So what's happening here is people from the tribe of Levi. Remember, Levi was a son. And they have a tribe. The descendants of Levi, they were the ones who were to be what we call priests and Levites. Levites were junior priests. Not everyone who was a Levite was a priest. But Aaron was a priest. Aaron is Moses' brother. And he had some sons. And two of his oldest sons here were named Nadab and Abihu. Now, Nadab and Abihu grew up in church. They were there with Moses. They were there with, Moses, or with, uh, with Aaron. Their father was Aaron. They were right there witnessing all the miracles that the Israelites went through. They went, they went through the plagues. They saw the passing through the Red Sea. They saw the miracles in the desert. They, saw, they witnessed the power of God. And there's a real danger for folks who grow up in church. It's good to grow up in church, but there are, anytime something's good, there's always a dark side of that good thing. And the dark side of that good thing is for church people, people even including myself, you can become very casual towards the Lord. Very dangerous to get casual Lord. When you come to church, it's just another service. Just another Sunday. Just another Sunday school lesson. And you just find yourself, if you aren't careful, going through the motions. And that's a very uh, dangerous predicament to be in. And you always have to examine your heart. Says, God, am I just doing this because it's expect, expected of me. Am I going? We, we had a deacon's meeting today. We came through our, our deacon's meeting. Is it another monthly deacon's meeting? Is it another African worship service? Is it another Sunday school class? Another Wednesday night prayer list? Just, you were just doing these things. And what happened here, these two men, Nadab and Abihu, their father was Aaron. So they were into what we call the religion business. They were used to seeing all sorts of things growing up. And in fact, they were with their dad because chapters 8 and 9 of the book of Leviticus are actually can be boring chapters to read, but the purpose of these chapters is 12 times in those chapters preceding Leviticus chapter 10 where we're at, God instructed Moses to do exactly what he commanded said, here's exactly what I want you to do. I mean, they had it uh, spelled out right how they're to do things. And there was a reason for that. Because if God's people, God's priest, 
the tribe of Levi, if they cannot obey God, why would anyone else expect to do this? This is why, folks, this is so important. This is why in the book of 1 Timothy, your leaders in a church are your pastors and your deacons. Those are your leaders within a church. That's New Testament Christology or, or, or ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. Those are your two types of leaders, pastors and deacons. And if you read their qualifications, it's all about them having high character, them being men who are above reproach, people who follow the Lord. And the reason why is because if you have church leaders that cannot live lives that are above reproach, why, how, if, they can't, if they can't follow the Lord, how on earth can they expect to lead a church to follow the Lord if they themselves can't do it? Do you know when people destroy themselves, it's usually internally. If you see a pastor who has fallen, and when I say fallen, he's no longer in the ministry. Do you know what? It's usually not because he started a new worship service, or he uh, planned a mission trip, or he wanted to go out and build this building to reach teenagers or college students, or he preached on healing, or he, he wanted folks to pray at the altar, or or you, you fill in the blank, or he wanted to teach on Revelation, you, whatever he wants to do, that's not what gets people in trouble. You know what gets people in trouble? Sexual immorality. Stealing money. Abuse. Dishonesty. It's the internal sins. It's the indwelling sin. It's the character flaws. This man lied. This man cheated. This man stole. That's what causes it. This man went through a divorce and he denies it. He abused and beat up his wife. He beats up his children. He, he uh, injured someone. It's things like that that get people in trouble in their, in their life, in their spiritual life. And that's what 1 Timothy chapter 3 talks about about character for church leaders. So now we get here to Leviticus chapter 10 because this is a character issue. And the character issue is, Nadab, Abihu, are you going to obey the Lord? Now let me explain how it's supposed to happen, how the, the offering was supposed to be made. We walked up front and we gave our offering. The offering in the book of Leviticus was to be prepared by the people, the people of Levi, the tribes of Levi, the priests, the sons of Aaron in this case, and they were to get the fat portions, the animal, and they were to present it before the Lord. And then God would send the fire and consume the offering. That's very important. The fire came from the Lord. The Lord is the one who's receiving the offering. We're not receiving the offering. God, this is your offering. It's not mine. You consume it at your will, at your time, whenever you want to take the offering. I bring you the offering, I put it right here, and it's up to you, Lord. That's all I do. We lay it at the feet of Jesus. That's what we do with our offering. That's why in a church, churches don't need to go around fighting over money all the time because the, it's so important not to do that because you're trusting the Lord. It says, Lord, here's our offering, here's our money. We want to be a church that reaches our community, our city, with gospel witness. We want to see people saved. And the details of that are, they can be all over the place. And that's where we get into trouble right here. These two sons, they took it upon themselves and went above and beyond what they were supposed to do. Because all they were supposed to do is set the offering at the 
at the, they were supposed to come up to the table and present their offering right there to the Lord and step back and say, God, here you go. We're done. This is for you. We're out of here. You consume it however and whenever you want, Lord. Pick up in your Bible now. This is where we're at. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. We're going to read seven verses. This is truly the holiness of the Lord. Aaron's son, Nadeb, and Abihu each took his own fire pan. Right there, that's the mistake. They brought their personal big lighter. They didn't need to bring a big lighter. The big lighter was supposed to be the Lord. The Lord is the one who lights the fire. They don't need to bring their own hot coals to stir up a fire. And they knew this. All of chapter 8 and chapter 9 talk about the Lord sends the fire. The consuming fires from the Lord. Do you know, when that burning bush caught on fire, if that drew Moses in on his call to begin this process of letting his people go, that fire didn't come from uh, just come from Moses or just some wildfire because they didn't have good uh, good firefighters back then. It came from the Lord. That bush was on fire, yet it wasn't burning up. That was a fire from the Lord. That's why revival fires is so important. Over the revival fire going on at Wilmore. It comes from the Lord. As much as we want, we cannot bring or manufacture revival. And you know, we've got a fall revival plan in October, this coming up, uh, this, this coming year in October, with Ronnie Hill again. Even though we call that fall revival, put the dates, I believe it's October 8th through 11th this year, put that on the calendar, that, that's really not the best name. It's more of like a camp meeting. Because a revival actually comes solely from God. That's, and all, the fire comes from the Lord, not from us. We can't make people be saved. So right here, they're bringing their own big lighter, which is a huge mistake. They should not ever do that. They brought their own fire pan, put fire in it, and placed incense on it, and presented, look at this, unauthorized fire before the Lord which he, that's the Lord, commanded them not to do. Now, I put here in, my, in your bulletin, if you have it, I, you have, I have to pull out our KJV because KJV uses a word that I like. Here, it calls this fire unauthorized fire. That meant this fire should not be here. That means there's something that does not belong. But in the KJV version, it says, it says a strange fire. A strange fire. All of a sudden, these boys show up and they bring something strange in the, in the tabernacle. Where did this fire come from? This doesn't belong here. Why are you bringing this, this filth, your own personal fire pan before the Lord? That's like showing up to church and bringing uh, marijuana or pornography or showing up at church and with with immoral thoughts you're bringing something before the lord that does not belong says this doesn't go here what are you up to this doesn't go it's like coming to church and instead of singing songs to the lord you're singing uh, country songs you're singing rock songs you come here and instead of preaching the word of god the preacher's talking about how to be a better man at work how to how to raise your kids right and make them good people that's not god's word this is an unauthorized, a strange fire. Something doesn't belong. 
And in our personal lives, that holiness, God speaks to us and says, is there something strange? Strange means uh, this doesn't go here. This is a red flag. And always in church, you always want to make sure that you are looking for things that don't belong. I'll give you a per example. You know, I follow, as you know, I'm on Twitter. And Twitter, all they tweet about now is the Asbury Revival. And I have literally seen the most bizarre things that people make comments about the Asbury Revival. I mean, this is what, these, I'll just pull out two of them. One guy was complaining that enough LGBT people aren't being represented upon the stage. Like, I mean, that's what the first thing he looks at. A revival breaks out. Are there LGBT people on the stage? Are, are, are different minority groups being represented at the revival? That's how some people think. That's a strange fire. When you go to church and you start saying, no, that's not equal, that's not equal representation. The equity's not there in this revival. Another guy was quitting. I should have saved this stuff. He was complaining because Asbury has sports teams. And some, I guess he was a basketball player, he was really impressed with the revival. And this kid picked Asbury because of how great the revival service was. And he wanted to come play basketball and go to church and go to school and church there, I guess. And some other coach was complaining. He says, uh-uh, you can't have a school having a revival and using a revival to steal recruits for basketball. I mean, that's what folks look at. That's not fair to other schools that they have a great revival and they're getting the good ball players because they want to go experience it. This is the nonsense. That, this is strange fire. God's starting to move and the first thing you start doing is complaining about that's not fair recruiting. Everyone's not on equal playing time. Other schools don't have a mile and a half line to go to church at their, at their, at their services. Other kids don't have this many kids worshiping 24-7 in an auditorium, college kids, with a line beyond all the way down outside the county trying to get in. That's the strange fire we see right here that it's talking about. So look what happens. So God recognizes something's wrong in this situation. These boys did something that they know should not be done at church. Now this is Aaron's two oldest sons. These are people who were in Egypt. These are people who witnessed all the miracles of Moses. But that doesn't mean anything to the Lord. Look what the Lord does here. Verse 2, you know, God doesn't even ask a question. He just, he just does it. Then fire came from the Lord and consumed them. Do you know who became the offering? It wasn't the little fat portions they gave. Those two men became the offering. They just gave their lives. God's fire did show up, but it didn't come for that offering. Their little fire pan was, that they were burning was offering. The offering was actually the two boys. God killed these two men, these young men, because of their casualness towards the Lord. They did not follow the Lord's instruction. And the saddest verse about this, it says right there, it came from the Lord. God's fire did come. It consumed them and they died before the Lord. Right there before God, they died. They died at the altar. Moses said to Aaron, this is his brother, this is what the Lord has spoken. So, you know, you would think if you just, your brother just witnessed his sons die 
you might not make this statement, but Moses spoke up, and this is what he said to his brother. He's got two dead, those are his nephews, they're dead right there. And then Moses looking at his brother and said, Aaron, the Lord said, I will demonstrate my holiness. Look at what he's talking about, my holiness. I will demonstrate my holiness to those who are near me, and I will reveal my glory before all the people. And look at this, and Aaron remained silent. Aaron just stood there. His sons, they're dead. And his brother's sitting there preaching to them about the holiness of God. And he didn't have anything to say. He's like, what, what do I do? I just lost my sons. And now, you know, it, I, he's speechless. God is reminding Aaron, you know what? You brought this strange fire. You didn't follow my commands. And this is what happens. Now we're having a funeral service for your boys. God is holy. And if you draw near to the Lord, if you come into the Lord's presence, you will respect God's holiness. Or this is the consequence. God chooses to reveal His people, His glory before the people. And I think this is actually the very beginning of the tabernacle worship. They had just dedicated the tabernacle. In fact, in many ways, this could have actually been one of the first offerings made at the tabernacle. And it didn't go very well. Do you know, I imagine, when you have a worship service and the people making the offering die, all of a sudden, word gets out in camp. We're going to straighten up, and when we show up in church, we're going to behave. The little children all of a sudden start behaving on the pew. They turn off their iPad. They start paying attention. People put their phone down and start opening their Bibles because there is a reverence all of a sudden. (coughs) Nadab and Abihu, we walked in together, but they didn't walk out with us. They brought their own fire pan. That was a strange offering. Moses summoned Michelle and Elizan, sons of Aaron's uncle Uziel, and said to them, come here and carry out your relatives away from the front of the sanctuary out of the, uh, to a place outside the camp. Meaning, that's the dead bodies. Right there, they be, these two men became undertakers. They just, Moses said, alright, y'all come on in. Here's some, here's some corpses here on the ground. The Lord, the Lord consumed them. You need to carry them out and go bury them. Then Moses... Or verse 5, it says, So they came forward and carried them out in their tunics outside the camp, as Moses said. So they went and had a funeral service. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Elizer and Ithamar, Do not let your hair hang loose, and do not tear your clothes, or else you will die, and the Lord will become angry with the whole community. However, your brothers, the whole house of Israel, may weep over the fire that the Lord caused. You must not go outside the entrance of the tent of meeting, or you will die. For the Lord's anointing oil is on you. So they did as Moses said. These were the next sons, next in line. They were told you need to uh, 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 start shaving, you're going to clean up your robe, you're going to present your best, and you're not going to just casually go in and outside and just run around this tent of meeting. This tabernacle is one of great seriousness. You are making an offering before the Lord. You don't just walk in and out at your, your, your convenience whenever, whenever you want to leave and take a phone call or go check, on, check sports scores. You are in the, the presence of God. And you should act that way. That's 
what Moses is saying. So when we look at this passage and we look at the holiness of God, folks, you don't get any more holy than this. These men right here brought their own big lighter, their own fire. It was a strange fire, and that was their last fire. God's fire consumed them. God is holy. The revival going down, down the road is holy. We are set apart for Him. We don't want to have a critical spirit. We don't want to be around uh, going around being uh, revival evaluators and going around uh, judging other worship services. All I know is what God's Word says, and I give an account for my life. And we are to teach people what God says. And He tells us, if God says, let me bring the fire, you shouldn't ever put a lighter or any type of instrument on you that has any type of possibility of a fire. There should be no temptation. <coughs> you bring your offering, you just set it right there, and you walk out the door. And then whenever God wants to consume it, He can consume it. He is God. You know, in Psalm 50, verse 21, it says, Asap wrote this psalm. He says, You have done these things, talking about the things of the Lord, and I kept silent. Meaning, uh, there were these things that you did that weren't holy. And then Asap said, he's writing, speaking on behalf of the Lord. He said in Psalm 50, 21, You thought... I was just like you. Meaning, Israel, he writing to Israel, you just think it's, we're just friends and buds and, and casual acquaintances, but we're not. There is a difference between man and God. We have to approach the Lord in a holy, reverent state. God is not like man. He is not sinful. He does not need us. And if He gives us instructions on how to live and what we're to do, we have to do every single word that He says. We have to do that as a church, and we do it as individual Christians. And that's what it means to be holiness unto the Lord. It says, Lord, I'm appearing before You as best I can, striving and living to be a holy person to You. In the old days, you used to hear that phrase talked about uh, older people, that is a holy man, a holy woman. That means that is someone who loved and who was set apart for God. So this evening, we look at this passage of Nadab and Abihu. These were young men who brought a strange fire with a casual attitude towards God, and God's fire consumed them. And that's for us how we also, how we also want to make sure that we aren't doing likewise. We are set apart for the Lord. It's never casual to come to church. God's pres the presence of God is always a holy thing. I'm going to close this in prayer. And I tell you, do we have an invitation here we want to sing? I tell you, okay, we don't, what we'll do, I'll close this in prayer. I tell you, if you want to respond after the service, you have a decision you make, you just let me know. And we can make it public uh, later on. God, I thank you for the folks here. I thank you for us coming to Sunday night church, to African worship service. And Lord, we come before you and we cry out, holy, Lord, because you are holy. Lord, we see the example of these men who brought this strange fire. They could not follow your order and Lord, you consumed them. And Lord, we also pray that we will follow your word. 
we will remember that we are not like you, as Psalm 50, 50 verse 21 tells us. You, we are set apart. God, I pray this evening, as we go about in our conversations, the way we talk about you, that's why we can't use the Lord's name in vain, because you are a holy name. Lord, everything and what we do is, is set apart and reverent in your spirit. Lord, I just pray that these words will change our hearts and all of a sudden will, will convict us and draw us closer to you. Lord, we give you this wonderful worship service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will be back next week. I believe Raphael's preaching next week. Our guest preacher didn't work out for um, uh, the gentleman from Frankfurt. He was already booked somewhere else, so that's why you all had me. So that's how we will be back with African worship uh, next uh, Sunday night. On, uh, that's the 26th of, um, of February. So, so you all have a wonderful evening.